Good morning, my name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We are glad you've chosen to join us today. It is a real honor to have you watching through different means of media today and being a part of this service. And I pray, you know, the airways is no obviously uh, uh, restriction to the power of God's Spirit. And I pray today every person here in this place and every person who will be watching this and, and will we'll just sit, meditate upon the Lord and, and listen to what God has to say and what He's saying today in our day and our time. I pray you be touched by His power and you'd be refreshed and that you would be directed in your life that God would touch you in that way. He's so good about it because he loves souls and he loves you. And thank you for tuning in. So today we are actually going to be looking at the second part of the message. It's about repentance. And the title is What No One Is Talking About, Repentance. No one is talking about repentance. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. We're talking about repentance. I pray today. We're not here for an intellectual exercise. We are here to be changed, to be more like Jesus. Amen? Therefore, let all... You can stand if you like. Stand during the reading word if you're able to. You can position yourself. The Lord knows our knees are, <laughs> are not as good as they used to be. But if you'd like to, stand. Therefore, and you can say it with me. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. A couple things here, talking about it. When I say the word repent, does it bring on bad feelings? Or does it bring on a feeling of opportunity? Because you hear repent, and you say, oh, these old fire and brimstone preachers, they were pe preaching repentance again. Okay, you've heard that. And maybe you were raised in an era where uh, there was just, I mean, there was fire and brimstone, so to speak, and fire and everything coming down from the pulpit. And a lot of people said, well, they never really taught about the love of God and only about uh, <clears throat> salvation, sin, or sin, and so forth. But see, there is a balance here with the Lord. You come to the Lord by asking Jesus Christ to come in your life, believing he is the Son of God, that he was sent here to save the world from their sins, your sins and my sins. And he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. He died for my sins and your sins. I know. I know my background and so do you. You know your background. You know where you've come from. And you know somewhere in your life, if you're saved, that you came to a point of recognizing that you needed a Savior. And you recognize there was no way you could save yourself. You went, what am I going to do? Can't do enough good works, done too much wrong, or I don't feel really worthy to be able to do it. And no, you aren't worthy to do it. But there's someone who died in our place, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so at that point, what did you do? You actually turned and changed your mind about who Jesus are, is and who you are and that change of mind actually produced a change of behavior. You maybe don't like the same things you used to. Maybe you didn't, you don't hang with the same crowd that you used to. Maybe somehow your words are different. And maybe you see people differently than you used to. You know that there was a change of heart, not just a change of mind. And so what that is, is actually repentance. That's repenting. You know, repenting actually is stopping and going the other way, actually. But sometimes, certainly, the word forgiveness comes along and we're grateful to be forgiven. And God forgives us because of Jesus Christ. We ask him and even after we become Christians, we know we sin and we obviously stumble and fall. But we have the Lord Jesus who has given himself to forgive us of our sins, past sins, present sins, 
and future sins. And so we repented though. Something happened in our life, you see. And so the two words, forgiveness, or the remission of sin, and also repentance go together. And sometimes, obviously, we forget about that, but they're all together. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we know in that forgiveness, when we confess, we're forgiven, obviously, and that relationship and fellowship with the Father is restored immediately. He just says, come, be honest with me, be transparent with me, and come before me and lay your sins. And that's after even actually after you become a Christian. But along with that forgiveness should obviously come a change of our behavior. And sometimes, obviously, we think, well, I'll just ask God, you know, to forgive me again and go on doing the same thing. But at some point in our lives, there's a change that takes place. And you realize when you do that, and when you continue in the sin that you're in, that you are partaking of, as you realize you're breaking the heart of your father, you realize his love for you and how he gave himself through his sending his only begotten son into the world. And so there becomes a change there. Things start happening. There's, there's a change of attitude. The attitude's different. I'm not saying that you can't one day get up and have the wrong attitude. I'm just saying is that when you get up, you're going, I don't want it to stay like that. There's a change in your motives. The motives seem to be different. You're doing more and you're doing things for the glory of God. Okay. There's a change in your actions and what you do. What do you think upon? What is it that sort of possesses you? And what is it in your life that maybe sometimes sort of takes priority? That begins to change also. And the things of God begin to come in and begin to change because your heart has been changed. And that's how God has created us. Here, obviously, has not created us just, just to be religious robots. He's created us in a relationship, an intimate relationship. And so when you first receive Jesus, that's what happened in your life. But you see, all along the way, you're saved by grace through faith. It's only not anything you can earn. It's believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But we know, obviously, after that, we know that we want to please him. Jesus said, I only do what pleases the Father. And obviously, I only, Jesus said also, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So his primary purpose on this earth was doing the will of his Father. Now you go, well, that's Jesus, Jim. That's Jesus. And, and we know that he was here and did the will of the Father. He came down from his glories in heaven. And there was born in a manger, knowing that one day that he would go to Calvary to die and hang on the cross, die a humiliating death and so forth. We know that was Jesus. But see, Jesus calls us, calls us to be like him. He calls us every day that we, in our forefront, and the priority is that we want to do the will of God. And so what is all of this talking about? It's talking about repenting changing our mind about some things that maybe that we've seen differently in the past. So that's what we want to talk about today because I want to tell you, the, the opportunity and the capacity to repent is one of the greatest gifts we can uh, receive from the Lord. I know that with all my heart, believe it. That capacity to repent. And repentance is a gift. Do you realize that you just didn't come to the Lord all of a sudden? I, I'm going to wait till I've had a good time out in the world, and then all of a sudden I'm going to come to the Lord. You know, it's only as the Spirit of God draws you that you can do that. And so we know that obviously uh, God is is speaking to our hearts, but it's a matter of if we'll respond and we'll obviously take Him what He says. Because I want to tell you, a life of repentance is a life of opportunities. It's a life where you and I can really serve the Lord. In fact, when you repent of sin, maybe there are things that we're dealing with in here. We're all human beings, okay? We're still living in this world. We still battle the flesh and say no to those, that old nature. And we have an enemy, the devil and his demons that we're battling. Three aspects of life. We know that. And so sometimes we stumble and fall. 
That's why God says, my forgiveness, come to me and confess your sins and I'll forgive you. And so we know that. But we want to know today there is obviously repentance is an opportunity and it opens the door for the more of God. You hear me say that? Now, what does that mean? What that means is actually is that uh, we could say many ways that God has more of us. But in the sense of how big our God is and seeing him and who he is high and lifted up. Remember in Isaiah chapter six, when the prophet Isaiah walked in and he had a vision of the Lord. And remember, he had a vision of God sitting on his throne, actually. And what happened to him? He, he was undone. He says, woe is me. He said, I'm a sinner. And I realize I live amongst a bunch of sinners out here. And, and God brought the, and took the seraphim that were around the throne of grace, they were flying around, and took the coals. They were hot like coals. I think of them like uh, charcoal briquettes and so forth, kind of like that, the only way you think of it, you imagine. And took those coals, symbolic of forgiveness and cleansing, and he touched his mouth, his lips with them. And he was cleansed. And when he was cleansed, remember what Isaiah said? He said, Lord, I'm your servant. Lord, send me. It opened the opportunity for God to use him because he realized how big his God was. He had a vision of God. And that truly happened, you see. That was, this is not just some type of a, of a fairy tale. This actually happened. <clears throat> and he said, send me. Use me. And so as you repent, there's an opportunity to be able to be used to the fullest of what God's plans are for you and for me and also this church, okay? So repentance is a doorway to an opportunity that God is giving me and giving you and giving the church in this time of history. In fact, I believe that repentance is actually the gateway to revival. And I believe that if we do not repent, God could keep that door shut. And the one thing I want more than anything in my life, obviously, is to see people come to the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. Amen? I want, that's my whole life, okay? Because I know, you know, when you look at eternity, because it's the most, obviously, most important thing you could ever know, your eternal destiny. Do you know where you're going? Because I'm talking about eternal. And that will be forevermore. And the more, most important thing that you can be certain of is your, your eternal destiny and knowing where you're going. And see, a lot of people don't know where they're going. They believe, obviously, God is a God of love. He is. But obviously, He has made a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And there has to be a payment for our sins. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without, obviously, without the shedding of blood, Jesus' blood, there can be no remission of sin. None. Absolutely none. So my whole life is around the fact is that I want to see people come to salvation. Everybody here can amen that. Amen. Okay. That's my desire. Because there are people dying today and many have died with the COVID situation and they have no idea who Jesus Christ is. They don't have a relationship with him. They feel they've been good enough to be able to make their way in heaven. And God said, nobody's good enough. My son paid the price for the sins of the world. And all we do is we believe and confess those sins, repent of our sin, and turn to Jesus and trust him for our salvation. So my desire is that. So why am I so excited about revival and awakening across this land? It's because, let me tell you, <clears throat> I don't know the percentage, but there are less people today, I believe, that have that certainty of knowing they're going to heaven now than there ever has been in my lifetime anyway. Okay. I know maybe you see it today. Maybe you see nobody, the people are not packed in the church listening to the word of God and, and certainly not coming to worship the king and so forth. They're doing their own things. They're busy in their own busyness and so forth. They've got their boats down at Kima down there going out into the bay and doing all these types of things. Got plenty of money. Got a house full of stuff. Got a garage that's full of stuff. We've got obviously these, um, these spaces where people will put all their stuff, but they have no idea of their eternal destiny. And you see what God is saying today to you and to me, because I believe he starts with my life and your life is repentance. I believe it's a gateway 
that we will see God move in ways we never thought. And our families, our, our, our neighbors and others who have no idea who Jesus Christ is will come to salvation and give their hearts to Christ. That's what I want. And so how do we get ready? It's about repentance today. That's what I'm sharing this thing. He talks about here the remission of sin and forgiveness here. So obviously, so what is to be preached in his name? Well, repentance and remission of sins here. And we talked about that some last week. And so repentance is God's response, is actually God's grace that opens the the uh, the heart to receive forgiveness. If the heart is hard and unresponsive to God's grace, then there can be no forgiveness of sin. Some people have rejected God to a point to where I'm, I'm not sure if they can feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit because they've said, I'm not going to make a decision for Jesus now. I'm not going to do it. And they put it off and keep God at arm's length, as it may be said. And they don't. They miss that time. Their heart becomes hard. Their heart becomes so hard that, that we know there in, in the Scripture that talks about the seed being sowed out there. And that, that seed fell on, on that solid ground. It didn't take root. And so why didn't it take root? It's because of the busyness and also all the distractions of life kept it from keep taking root. And so it never bore the fruit. A lot of people have heard the Word of God and they've rejected the Word of God or they've gotten so busy to where they no longer can feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and the seed of the Word because the Word of God, faith, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Okay, God's speaking. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's honoring Him. This is what He says. His Word says this real plainly. You think about it today. The Lord's Prayer. If we ask God to forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, but there are two other risk, respect, requests that the repentance with that request for forgiveness. There are two things here. He says, remember, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or I say deliver us from the evil one. And that is saying to God, I don't want to sin. I don't even want to be tempted with it. Help me not to fall into temptation. I don't, I don't want to deal with that here. And the other petition is thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this prayer Jesus taught there, remember, includes not only a request for forgiveness, but a commitment to the will of God. So when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you actually are committing your life to the will of God. I'll stop right here because when you commit yourself to God's will, and I mean fully give yourself to God's will, things will happen. You know, a lot of people feel like, well, if I, I commit to do the will of God, again, that he's going to send me to the darkest parts of Africa, you know, or someplace in a foreign land and all this. God doesn't do that. And even if he would take and send you as a missionary anywhere, he always gives you the power and the grace to be able to do it, okay? You know, when I finally realized that uh, obviously I, I really wanted Jesus to be Lord of my life, I didn't want to continue to play church. I didn't want to continue to have just religion. I wanted to know him intimately. And that was something the Spirit was doing in my life. And maybe you can relate to that today. And I finally surrendered. And I said, Lord, I want you to be Lord. I'll go wherever. I'll say whatever. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Those three things but I want you, Lord, I want your will in my life more than anything else in this world. Can we say that today? I want your will, Father, in my life more than anything else in this whole wide world. And when that happened, things began to change. <laughs> well, now this doesn't have to be you, but remember what happened to me. I was busy. Uh, I was teaching Sunday school there in a Baptist church and so forth. And so I was kind of, I was going to church regularly. I was doing all those things. But see, I had never made Jesus Lord of my life. I had never actually consecrated my life totally to him. A handout that I gave out the other week here about that. and Have some more if you'd like it. To understand what that means and fully surrendering your life to Jesus and making him Lord of your life. You've accepted Jesus, but maybe you've sort of like over life, life's experiences and life is full of knocks and bruises and so forth. But you feel like, Lord, there's got to be more to you than I've experienced. And yes, there is. 
And so when I did that, things began to change. And you know the things that have happened. I've given my testimony many times. I actually turned and went the other way. Actually, what happened during that time, I repented and I went a different way. I actually went into ministry at that time because God's call was on my life to go in ministry. And so things began to happen. But it took me coming to a place of saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of just going through the motions, even in my belief system. I'm sick and tired of just doing things the way they I used to do. And I know what's right because obviously I was raised in the church and I, I do this and that. I'm sick and tired of that, Lord. I want you to come and I want your will in my life more than anything else in this whole wide world. And things began to change. Things begin to change, you see. And that's what we're at. That's what we're talking about. And that is part of repentance. That's changing my mind about it. And God reveals that to you if you desire Him to. But if you're like me and keeping Him at arm's distance, I was doing good, going up the corporate ladder, making big money, had a good reputation, loved that, and did all these types of things and, and so forth. Uh, then He'll just say, okay. I'll wait till you get sick and tired until you're ready for change. Because see, God is in the business of changing our hearts. He doesn't want you just drinking the milk of His Word. He doesn't want you just going through the motions like sometimes we do. It's good. And I want to commend, we're here hearing the Word of God and you got up, you came. A lot of people did not hear. But I believe, and I'll tell you right now, God's got more for every person in this church than what I could ever imagine. Amen. God's got more for you and more for me. Now, what that entails, I don't know. That's not my business. But our God is an awesome God. Our God is big. Our God heals. Our God delivers. Our God blesses in a way. He also corrects us. He also reveals to us those places in our lives that He wants to deal with. Those places that we won't let anybody in and we continue to cover it up and God shines His light on it and we go, I don't want this anymore. I don't even want to sin towards you. Because why? It's because you have a heart that is broken towards your Father who gave His all, who sent His only begotten Son into the world to die for our sins. You don't want to do it. Until you come to that place, then we'll continue kind of the same way. But that can change today. That can change right now. You remember the church at Ephesus in the book, book of Revelation. Jesus said this, and that was a powerful church because they believed Mary, Jesus' mother, went to that church back during that time. And certainly the apostle Paul, John was a pastor there for a particular length of time. And maybe even Timothy was there. But uh, if you remember what he said, he said, you're doing a lot of good things. You get into the poor, you're, you're doing all this stuff. You're doing really good here, doing this and that. But he said, I have one thing against you. One thing I have against you. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. What is that? You know, when you're loved, your heart flutters. You can't do anything to think about that person. You can't, you just want to get with them. You just want to talk to them. You just want to be in their presence, don't you? You do anything to do that, right? I remember when I was in college and with Cindy, um, we weren't walking with the Lord at that time. Cindy was obviously Cindy's strong Christian in that. I wasn't. But I remember that falling in love with her and I remember my school was about 18 miles, I know how far, 18 miles away from her school. And I had an old car that I bought for my parents. And I couldn't just wait to drive through those mountains because it was in the mountains of Virginia. I just couldn't wait to get over there and see her. I couldn't just wait, you know, going over there because a lot of times Cindy would, would uh, cook me a steak, you know, and, and do, we, we do this and we did that, but I couldn't wait. You see, that first love with Jesus Christ, what he's saying here, you've left your first love. You've left, you've walked away from that. And you're not experiencing me the way that you desire, that I desire for you to experience me. And what does he say? At the end of that, he corrects them. He's not wanting to destroy them at all. He wants them to come back. He wants them to return. And what does he say? 
Repent and do those things that you did at the beginning. Repent. Come back to me in that intimacy. And so what he's saying to the church today is repent and come back. And so, first of all, repentance is essential to forgiveness. And it's essential to salvation. What must I do to be saved? Oh, Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Think about how conf confrontational Peter's words were to those people. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We're guilty before God. What shall we do? And Peter's response was in verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins or forgiveness of sin. So, you need to be saved. What do you do? Repent. Then make a public confession of that. Baptism. Confession. Tell the church about it. Tell everybody about it. It's why we spend time here in the morning. We want this to happen. We're being recorded for next week, so we've got more time to sort of like, you know, to spend that time. Tell people about it. Confess that the Jesus Christ is Lord over all. Confess that He is Lord of your life. Confess what He has done. Confession is powerful today. When you confess the Word of God, let me tell you, power goes forth and touches people's lives because that's what Peter was doing. He's preaching. He said he was, they were cut to the heart because they realized they had actually crucified the Son of God, the Messiah that they had been waiting for for all those years. And they repented. And they turned to Jesus. They changed their mind and said, this is the Messiah that we've been looking for. This is the one. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sent his apostles out to minister. And in verse 7 it says, And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Notice the connection here. Verses 12 and 13, repentance and deliverance. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And all the good things that were able, they were able to do these people in ministry was connected to the call for repentance because repentance is essential to salvation and repentance is essential to deliverance. Repentance is essential for healing. Do you know some people I believe are sick because they hold grudges against somebody in the past way back that they have never forgiven? And no, the Word of God says you forgive. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Pretty strong language, isn't it? But because of that, people have hurt us through life. Life is tough and we get knocked around. But some people can be healed just coming and repenting and asking, Lord God, forgive them and forgive them for holding that grudge against them. And people are healed sometimes automatically. Never any prayer. A lot of people are sick today because they haven't forgiven. You've all been hurt. I have. And I know you have too. Different people have betrayed you. Different people have spoken against you. You know, when people speak against you and you know your character is not like that, it can be hurt. Maybe it won't be. It's not true. And it doesn't make any difference. But God says, forgive them. 70 times 7? What's that? 490? But God goes on. He says, keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. And go past the 490. Keep on forgiving. People are sick because emotionally it's causing the physical harm to manifest through different means. A lot of people are sick like that today. And let me tell you, without repentance, a lot of times they won't be delivered. And deliverance with people over the years, you know, working with, casting out demons and so forth, is many times this I can't, nothing's happening and, and the enemy, the demon is not wanting to come out and ask the Lord why. And what happens is that person has something on their heart where they have not repented of. And so the Lord will give us a word of knowledge and we share it with the person and the person says, yeah. And they confess it and they repent of it and immediately the enemy, the demon leaves. But see, until we repent, the enemy actually has a legal right 
to be able to do the things that sometimes we see him do in our lives, you see. I'm not saying that he always will. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes that's the case. So repentance is so powerful. And just allowing God to come and do that, changing our minds, which changes our behavior in turn here. Repent. Change your mind. Paul's conversion, remember, is a profound example of repentance. He was on the road to Damascus, you know, killing, and he was imprisoning Christians. He was the biggest, he was killing Christians left and right there. And remember, <clears throat> he encountered Christ. And what happened is, he went, he made an about face. He changed his whole heart. He realized he was persecuting the Christians and killing people. And yet God touched him and God forgave him and he made an about face and he became obviously most of the New Testament. Or a lot of it is written by the Apostle Paul, a Christian. He's in heaven. We'll see. Maybe we can sit and talk with him when we get up there about some of the things he went through for serving his God. Obviously, you know, he's stoned and, you know, and all the different afflictions that he had as a result of serving the Lord, but he never, ever wavered. He always ran the race with perseverance. Because why? He repented. That's what it takes in my life and your life. If you want God to move, if you're interested in obviously not just going through the motions and actually serving the Lord, being joyful again, a lot of Christians have lost their joy. What is that? Why is that? Because of COVID? Because of the things that our circumstances around us? Yes, we have bad circumstances. I don't minimize that at all. But the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, sometimes we get up and we're so weak. And yes, I'm not as young as I used to be. Maybe you aren't either. But he's saying, how do you have that restored? You know, and we know that in Psalm 51, David is confessing. Listen to this. He says this, you know. To give, create in me a pure and clean heart. And then he says, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore, restore the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is David who had committed adultery. He sinned. He had obviously been confronted by the prophet Nathan. And obviously he confessed it and repented. And, and he's saying here, restore the joy of your salvation. So when you repent, watch what happens. There's going to be a lighter step that you take. You're going to step a little bit more lively, although you say, hey, Jim, I'm barely making it now. Yes, but there's going to be something in your heart that you're going, man, this is supernatural because you repented. If God's showing you something as we go through this too, just Come to him. He's not here to condemn. He's here to build up. He wants you to walk in that joy and that peace and that fulfillment that he desires for you and for me. It doesn't mean the circumstances will change, but it just means that you and I will see the circumstances differently as we repent and come back to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul commented to the church at Corinth, for their repentance. And he said this, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. It actually is godly sorrow. See, I can be sorry that I got caught, or I can be sorry because my conscience convicts me, and somehow, man, I'm having a weight of the guilt there, and I need to go to the Lord. And repent. And I can feel sorrow in that way. But it may not be godly sorrow because the Bible says that godly sorrow leads us to repentance, to true repentance. See? And so what we do is we come to a fact because as we come back to our first love, we come back again, as I said earlier, and realize we broke the heart of our Father who sent His only begotten Son to die for us. To obviously physically to die a heinous death. He was not a criminal. He was mocked, spit upon, had a crown of thorns and, and had the nails in his hands and his feet and so forth. That, yes, that was horrible enough. What was more horrible is he knew is that some would reject him. But our Father, you're here today because you believe. You're here because you want to know God or you wouldn't be here. 
You're here for a divine appointment that God wants to do something in your life. You're not here by accident, let me tell you. You didn't just show up over here on 3rd Street. You're here because God wants to do something in your life that's so spectacular. He wants you to know Him in a greater way than you've known Him before. He's telling you how to do it. His Word always speaks truth. It is truth. And so He's saying to repent here. Listen to this. A 17th century minister named William Secker wrote a piece that someone has entitled Weeping with an Onion. Everybody knows when you peel an onion, you put matchstick there in your teeth. And sometimes, if not, you can weep, right? But listen to what he says here. Here, the distinction between godly sorrow and sorrow of the world. He says, some have tears enough for the outward losses, but none for their inward lust. They can mourn for the evil that sin brings, but not for the sin which brings the evil. You see, Pharaoh, remember the story there of the Ten Commandments, more lamented the hard strokes which were upon him than a hard heart that was within him. Esau mourned, not because he he sold his birthright, which was his sin, but because he lost the blessing, which was his punishment. This is like weeping with an onion. The eye sheds tears because it smarts. The conscience. But godly sorrow brings about true repentance. And I'll say right up front, that is a work of the Spirit. But if you want to, if you want to, today is a day to get it right. If there's something on your heart that you have not confessed before the Lord, that's between you and God, okay? But I want to tell you today, don't leave the sanctuary until that's right. If there's something on your heart and you feel like God is drawing you and you can't understand it, and it seems to be something you would never ever imagine, and He's beginning to reveal things to you, you're thinking about Him more often, you're beginning maybe to think or maybe pray a little bit more than what you have, or whatever the issue may be, any of these types of things, don't, don't reject it and don't turn away. God is working. And God is doing something so special in that. And people are repenting. They're changing their mind about, I didn't know God like this. I learned about God in Sunday school. I learned about God here in this church and that hurt church and so forth. But I didn't know He was much bigger than that. I didn't realize that. But our God is revealing Himself in that way because people all over are repenting. The church is getting right with God. The pastors are getting right with God. Okay? I'm not alleviated from any of this. In fact, God looks to me. In fact, I'm held to a higher account because I'm a teacher of the Word than anybody else. And I will be, obviously, go before the Lord and give an account. Not for salvation. I'm going to heaven. Praise God because of His grace. But do you know that today? And I'll ask you this right up front. Will you be ashamed there at the judgment seat of Christ? Will you be ashamed? He said a lot of things will be burned up during that time because they were not the will of God. They were our own efforts. They were things that that we were just doing that looked sort of Christian-like. But we had never surrendered to, to Jesus' Lordship. And you'll stand before Jesus, it's the judgment seat of Jesus. Obviously, not the great white thrones of God for unbelievers, but as believers, we will be judged for what we've done. You know, the Bible says, obviously, we'll be judged for every thought, every word, everything. And so today, if you've got something on your mind and you're harboring something, it could be anything, a lust. It could be, obviously, unforgiveness. It could be, obviously, uh, and lust comes in different ways, you know, wanting this and that and all, not being, com- obviously not being content in what you have, want, want this and want that because the Joneses down the road had this and that and all these other things. All those things God looks at. But see, there's a way out. He's not condemning you. He just knows these things don't bring life. They actually bring death. And so if every person here has said, Jesus, I want you Lord of my life, then praise God. 
But some of you may need to renew that commitment. Some of you may need to come the first time and say, I want you, Lord, of my life because I, I believe, I, you know, I was talking to Don here and, and Ed. You know, we're getting older. I had a birthday a couple of weeks ago. And I know that young people don't think about that time is fleeting. But as you get older, you actually think about it, don't you? I'm going, I'm this age, and I know here I kind of look at it in a 90 or 100 and so forth, and, and I go, can't be too many more years in there. Okay? Maybe some of that is just saying, Lord, I can't make up for lost time, but I can come to you as I am. And you see, that's who he is. He takes us right where we are. And so I have to come back to him at various times and say, Lord, I just renew my commitment to you that you're Lord of my life. And if there's something on my heart or something I'm doing, if there's an attitude in me, if there's a motive in me, or there are words I have spoken that somehow did damage or whatever it may be, and even my thought life, Lord, is not clean before you, then come and can I confess it and I repent of it right now. Repentance should be on a Christian's heart on a regular basis coming before Him because we want to stay clean before the Lord. And yes, His blood cleanses us, but He calls you and I not to stay where we are, but to grow up in Jesus Christ. That's who He's calling you and me to be. And it takes repentance. It takes, obviously, that repentance because there's an opportunity here. But remember here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, uh, Jesus talked about a, a Jezebel. And that Jezebel was a lady, I believe, who was seducing God's people into sexual immorality and idolatry. And the judgment that was decreed upon her. And he said this. He said that if you repent here, I gave you time, her time, to repent of her sin, her sexual immorality, and she didn't repent. And so here we see this. We didn't see judgment right away. And sometimes we don't see judgment come right away. And sometimes we don't see discipline come right away. But guarantee you this, judgment's coming. Why? It's because God is a just God. It will be decreed. So if there's something in your heart today, if there's something that God is just saying, look, get this right. Don't leave this place today without getting it right. That's repentance. There is no one looking down on anybody. We all come. There's something that God is doing in your life, you see. You know, as we go through this, the title of this message, remember, is what no one is talking about. I love talking about love of God, the blessings of God, don't you? But when you talk about this, let's see, we've, missing, we've mistranslated and interpreted this today because when you repent, there's a blessing in store for you. And for me, there's a holy fire that wants to fall on your heart. And obviously he says he'll not crush a bruised reed and he won't put out a smoldering wick. There's a fire of the Holy Spirit wants to fall upon you, wants to fall upon me in this church and ignite a passion and a love for Jesus that I return to my first love, that I again come back to him, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who gave himself for me. Oh, meditate on that for a moment. And he will bring the tears, emotions, because he gave his all for us. Only way, obviously, to miss the judgment is to turn from the sin, repent, and turn to God for mercy here. You know, I believe he's sending prophet after prophet to America today. I believe that if the United States of America does not repent, I believe that he will, obviously, bring judgment upon this nation. Okay? There are different things that are being said because I believe that deathly America has an eternal destiny. But I do believe one thing, that God is a holy God. And if we continue in our ways and continue doing the things that we have done and we don't repent, God will not revive us and He will not restore us. I believe it with all my heart. Why do I have an urgency in my the sense of my voice today? It's because I believe that we're at that point a point where I believe that God is looking at you and looking at me. But you see, some people will. Some people repent, some won't. Zephaniah says in Zephaniah chapter 2, Seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth. 
who have upheld his justice, seek righteousness, seek humility. And it may be that you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. God is a God of love, but he's a God of wrath. We don't experience his wrath as a Christian. But we need a be a light in this dark world. My goodness, if no one sees it, obviously what's happening in this country today and around the world, they have degraded the word of God and who God is, a holy God today, the things that are happening. And we need to call sin, sin. It's not a mistake. It's sin. And this country has fallen into that sin. Oh my goodness, the number of babies that have been aborted, it is murder. When that conception takes place, that is a child, that is life at that point. I don't care what they, and there are people in this country and a political party that want to do away with that life right up to the time that they give birth, the lady gives birth to it today, and you don't think God won't judge this country? Oh, yes, He will. So you go, I've got to repent. I've got to repent. You see, what we can do is repent. And it starts with us. It starts with the church. It starts with our nation today. Oh, our boys don't know their boys. Oh, man, I grew up. Man, I knew that right away. I mean, you know, you talk about obviously who you are, and you weren't, uh, I, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, okay? And I wasn't obviously some model out here doing this, but I knew who I was. Boys don't know their boys nowadays. There's teaching in our schools trying to orient them and saying that you're really not a boy and you're really not a girl. You're actually the opposite uh, sex. This is a this is a teaching that is prominent that's going across this land today. And you're telling me that somehow that, you know, hey, just let these things slide. No, we're not going to let them slide. But see, God is talking to you and me, saying, get it right. Listen to this, and then we're going to wind down here. In verse 20 of Revelation chapter 9, he talks about people refusing to repent. Now listen to this. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues that take place during the, during the tribulation did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. Misery alone does not necessarily lead to repentance. I mean, they're saying here, all these things are happening, and yet their hearts were so hard they wouldn't repent. They said, no, we're not going to repent. Had the rocks fall on us. But they wouldn't repent. Now that's a hard heart. And if you and I don't repent, we can have a hard heart also, you see. Because God's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get my attention. He's trying to get the church's attention. Just say, hey, start with me, Lord. Let revival start right now with me, this preacher, with this church, with every individual. It is needed. In Acts chapter 20 again, verse 20, testifying to Jews, also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about here. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas broke out of jail supernaturally the jail doors just opened up remember the jailer said he said what i do to be saved believe on the lord jesus christ and you'll be saved you and your household you got household members not saved got people in your house right now not saved repent get your life right with god and let them see the change that takes place in your heart my heart and the church's heart today and watch what happens they can reject that. Yes, they may have a free will. But let me tell you, it gets people attention. Remember when the disciples, the apostles were walking around and all, and they said, uh, they looked at them and said, these people have been with Jesus. 
Are people saying that about you and me? If not, it could be. It's because we haven't repented. The third thing and last is repentance is essential to revival. In Acts chapter 3, repent, Peter says this, repent and therefore be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. People are longing for God to send revival so that everyone obviously can get right with him. But repentance paves the way. Revival means bringing that which is dead back to life. How many of you know here, even at this church, as you've looked at it over the years, we've had children here. We've had people here. A lot of the, um, a lot of our people have gone on to be with the Lord, strong Christians in the Lord. But obviously, and I'm not looking at numbers for numbers' sake. Don't get me wrong. But I'm looking at today. If God doesn't do something, I believe just like that book I've read. Revival or we die? We're not going to die. We're secure in the Lord. But I'm talking about as far as the life that we know, we desire and long for. When you came to Jesus, he brought you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light, light, which is life, eternal life and abundant life. But what does he do? He begins with the church because you and I know better. I know better. And he's saying to repent. Luke chapter 13, listen to this and then we'll close with this. Some people were telling Jesus about a horrific event that had happened. Some Galileans had created a disturbance and Pilate sent his soldiers to deal with the rebellion. And while these Galileans were offering sacrifices, the soldiers attacked and killed them, mingling their blood and the blood of the animals, their sacrifices, they were sacrificing. It was an awful scene. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish here. Of those 18 on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who, who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. And I tell you no. Repentance here. The issue is not how bad the sin is, but whether the person has turned from going his own way to going God's way. That's the whole thing. Sums it up. Sums it up. So whatever you have done, or whatever, because you see... Christians can be addicted. And may I phrase it another way? Christians can allow things to come in their lives that have taken away the place that Jesus Christ and Him alone is due. And so what you've done is you've put idols on the throne of your heart. One of the sins of this nation is, I believe with all my heart, is luxury. Luxury. We got our houses. We got our cars. We got food on the table. Most of us have that. We have food pantries feeding people and so forth. Um, going down here to Kima, sit down there on the boardwalk and watch the yachts go out there one time. One behind the other. They ain't cheap. God is not a, not against uh, doing and having fun, okay? What he's against is allowing that to take his place. That's what he is against. And so it may not be a yacht in my heart because I can never afford one. But it may be something really small that God's maybe pointing out to you. And I'm asking, Lord, show us. Holy Spirit, show us that you have allowed come in and you no longer are allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life. Whatever that may be is exactly what you need to obviously repent of today. Confess it and repent of it. Amen. Everybody. No one's exempt. If you want prayer after the service, come forward. 
We are not here in any way. We don't judge anybody with it. We love you. But I want the very best for this church. I want the best for my life. I want the best for my family. I want the best for every person here. I love you guys. And I want the best. But I believe what God is doing is cleaning us up. The riffraff, it could be said, that's been there, that he's just saying, repent. Don't let it stay there. Change your mind about it. Change your mind about it and change your heart. Let God change your heart about it. Okay. Let him do that today. And I'm not preaching condemnation. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If you're not saved in here today and you're not sure, one thing you need to be sure of is your eternal destiny. Come forward and let's get this straight. Make a public confession before the Lord. If you're not sure, you're not sure. There's, And I'm not talking about doubt. Obviously, we work through doubt where you're saved. But if you're not sure and you want to be sure, I, I, I want you to come forward. I need you to come forward. Do not leave this place today. Don't worry about what anybody else says. The fear of man is a snare. The fear of man will keep you from doing what God calls you to do. If you're afraid of man, what they'll say about you, if you come forward for prayer today and ask a prayer that there's something that's been bothering you and I need prayer for it and you worry about what man will say to you about it, then the enemy will keep you down and you'll never move past where you are. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day that I believe what God is going to do in this nation. Not everybody will receive him, but there'll be people that, that will have a heads up and say, I need to know Jesus. And then we'll see people come, people where we have an aching heart for. And I know all of us do. I do. I have an aching heart for some people that I know are not saved. I have an aching heart for some people that I know are not in the church anymore for whatever reason. Sometimes they say, well, the preacher just talks about money. I don't talk about money. I don't talk about money. God owns it all anyway. Yeah, there's a tithe. Yeah, 10%. You start giving. Watch what God does. And it doesn't mean he has to bless you. It's just something about it because you realize that money's not going to control your life because, see, money controls our life. Because when we think you've come to the end of the month and we're getting low there and so forth and all this stuff, how many of you have seen God pull you through that month after month after month after month? Amen? Okay? And God spoke to me one time, pastor of church. Church didn't have much money. And I was walking along and I was going, Lord, you know we don't have much money. We don't, we've just got a little bit of money left and so forth. And uh, the Lord spoke to me in Scripture. says, a king is not saved by the size of his army. <laughs> I'm not saved by my bank account. But see what God is doing. And that's one of those things we need to repent of. That we're not trusting God with our finances. We're not trusting God in our relationships. We're not trusting God in our health and all these other things today. These are things you can repent of. Nothing to be embarrassed about that. God has shown you because He wants you to set you free. That's who He is. Because that's how He works. We have to respond. So we'll pray here in just a moment. And then um, anybody like prayer, come on forward. Come on forward and, and let's pray. We want, we want, we're seeing healing taking place in this place, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're seeing healing and we're seeing people get set free in this place. People are talking, testifying. And we want, we don't want to stop that. I don't want to grieve the Spirit or quench the Spirit of God because He wants, He loves us. He wants a relationship with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we know repentance is a gift. Give us that gift, Lord, all across this church today. Those who are watching, give us that gift. We are graciously receive it and Lord, abide by it. Change your hearts. We're looking for you, Lord. We're like watchmen on the wall, Lord. We're looking for you. And Father, is anything in this in our hearts is not right with you, get rid of it. Take it, get rid of it. 
and we believe and we repent and we turn. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Jim.